Welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold, and I'm here to get you caught up quickly. I've got some top news stories for you today from Israel, and guess what? You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Thursday, February 17th. 2022 in the Gregorian calendar and the 16th of Adar 5782 in the Hebrew calendar. Now, let's get to the news. The organizers of last year's Lagba Omer festival at Mount Meron, which turned deadly, have been selected to run it again this year. The National Center for the Development of Holy Sites was tapped as the official organizer to oversee the holiday events in northern Israel and accepted a direct bid, essentially allowing the organization to skip the tender process. 45 people were killed in a stampede during the events of last year, making it the worst civilian disaster in Israeli history. The April 30th tragedy occurred after repeated warning signs were ignored, A state investigation into the incident is ongoing. One of the family members of a victim says the decision is a spit in the face to the families of those killed and that this is a scandalous decision that ensures the next disaster will not be prevented. A Hamas terrorist was killed Wednesday after a border tunnel collapsed on him. Hamas agents dig tunnels to help them exit the Strip and enter Israel, and many times it's an effort to carry out terror attacks when they get out of the tunnel and into Israel. Gaza is closed by tight border security from Israel on one side and Egypt on the other. In recent months, several Hamas terrorists have died trying to work on these tunnels, these underground tunnels. Heavy rain and sand are two big factors that caused the tunnels to cave in. Wednesday's collapse came as tensions are rising in Jerusalem, and Hamas has begun to point a finger at Israel if they, quote, continue its assaults. Now, of course, we're talking about the story that we've been following all week in the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood in which there are Jewish and Palestinian families living side by side. If you didn't hear the reports, you can go back. Analysts predict an uptick in violence coming this April when Passover, Ramadan, and Easter will all coincide. Religious holidays often call for celebrations, but also, unfortunately, sometimes feeling of passion and boldness that can turn to violence. In related news, Australia is joining the list of countries to consider Hamas a terrorist organization. The militant governing body in the Gaza Strip known as Hamas is, for some, a resistance group, for some, simply government, and for countries and institutions like the United States, Canada, the European Union, Israel, Japan, and the United Kingdom, it's a terrorist organization. Until now, Australia has designated only Hamas's military wing as a terrorist organization. They had segmented it such. Also, New Zealand and Paraguay did the same thing by only considering Hamas military wing to be the terrorist organization. Today, Australia says it will designate all of it, the entire Hamas body. Israel's army radio says it will take a few weeks for the move to come through and paperwork. Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and Australia's Prime Minister Scott Morrison discussed this motion at the United Nations Climate Change Conference in the fall. And now the country is moving forward following the UK, which did the same thing in November. 
Bennett tweeted out, thank you to my friend Scott Morrison for following through on our dialogue on this important matter. This is another important step in the global fight against terrorism. Australian Home Affairs Minister Karen Andrews says the views of Hamas and the violent extremist groups listed today are deeply disturbing, and there is no place in Australia for such views. It is vital that our laws target not only terrorist acts and terrorists, but also the organizations that plan, finance, and carry out these acts. Andrew says she's also going to add Syrian jihadist groups Hayat Tahrir al-Sham and Huras al-Din, as well as the neo-Nazi group National, National Socialist Order, to Australia's list of banned terror organizations. Australia designated Hezbollah as a terrorist organization back in November, as well as white supremacist neo-Nazi organization The Base, which is active in a handful of countries, including Australia, Canada, South Africa, the U.S., and throughout parts of Europe. Hezbollah is a terror organization sponsored by Iran, which operates mostly out of Lebanon. So that's, the, that's your Australian-Israeli news for today. Now heading down to Central America. The former president of Honduras, Juan Orlando Hernandez, claimed Israel would help on his behalf in the event he get extradited to the U.S. for drug and weapons trafficking charges. The U.S. accuses Hernandez of being a co-conspirator to his brother's 2019 drug trafficking trial, and they say his political rise was backed by drug money. Hernandez was arrested at his home on Tuesday by Honduran authorities, who had already accepted an offer for him to be extradited to the U.S. When Hernandez came to Israel last June, he told Prime Minister Bennett's team that his predecessor, meaning Prime Minister Netanyahu's team, had said that they would do everything to help prevent his extradition in exchange for moving the Honduran embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which Honduras followed through on. Their embassy currently sits in Jerusalem. Former Prime Minister Netanyahu says this issue was never raised and that they never agreed on that with Honduran officials. This arrest of the former president of Honduras comes just three weeks after he left office. If you are getting caught up on your Israel Daily News, we'd like you to consider sending over a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash Israel Daily News slash support. The financial support that we get from subscribers helps us maintain our show and it helps us continue to grow and try to reach new audiences. Subscribers will get a handwritten thank you note and a little poem that I write myself to let you know how thrilled we are to have your support. And we have a little poem at the end of the show today. It's a little surprise. Thank you for your interest in Israeli affairs, Israeli politics, or world politics. We have one link in the show notes, which you can click on, and that'll take you to a page where you too can make a contribution and feel good knowing that you're supporting independent journalism. So check us out at israeldaily.news. If you want to find our website, you can sign up for our newsletter there. You can also support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Number two, you can share the show with a friend. And number three, you can follow us on Facebook at IsraelDaily.News, as well as Shanna Fold. My name has two N's in it, and I'm very sensitive about that. You can also find us on Twitter at Israel Podcast. American actor John Voight, father of Angelina Jolie, does that name ring a bell? He came to Israel and took a tour of the West Bank and made some bold statements. They're bold for today's political climate. The head of the Samaria Regional Council, Yossi Dagan, welcomed him to the West Bank and showed him a map of the country. Voight looked at it and said that the map, quote, 
shows Judea and Samaria how prominent they are in Israel, how important they are. When you call that the West Bank, it doesn't make any sense. It's the heart of Israel. Okay, that is close quote right there. Now I'm going to explain for anyone who doesn't understand. The West Bank is considered the West Bank because it is the it is west of the Jordan River. Now in Israel, there are people that refer to it as Judea and Samaria. Usually those people are under the school of thought that Judea and Samaria is Israel proper and that it needs to be considered Israel and that it cannot be given over to the Palestinians for their future state of Israel. So saying so depending on how you refer to the West Bank can definitely be a, a politically loaded way of expressing yourself here in Israel and anywhere around the world if, if somebody knows. In the news worlds, usually they'll call it the West Bank. If it's a very far right channel, they'll call it Judea and Samaria. Or in Hebrew, you might call it the Shomron. Okay, so that's your little your little education for today if you're not sure about the technicalities. Technically, it is the original Israel as outlined by the Torah or the Bible. So if you would look at the boundaries that are written and drawn in the Torah, you will find it there. Today, however, it is mostly populated by Palestinian citizens who live there, and Jews who live there are considered settlers. They're considered to be settlers settling on their land because that land had been separated as a means to give Palestinians their own separate territory. This is disputed. The whole place is disputed territory, and it depends on who you ask. You'll get a different answer from each of the different people that you ask. In places like Hebron in the West Bank, Jews have lived there for centuries. Some never even left. They've been here the entire time. In other modern cities, however, Jews have moved in just within the last 30 or 40 years. And this follows the fact that Jewish communities were pushed out of the West Bank centuries ago by foreign invaders, most notably, number one, the Roman Empire. Voigt, the actor, we're getting back to the actor after this little history lesson, he got a gift of a bottle of wine while he was up in the mountains in the Shomron. He said that he felt so much energy there and that he found it to be a place and that he found it amazing that this place and our backyard has 3,000 to 5,000 years of history. And now for a feature about last night's wild protest party in Tel Aviv's Habima Square. Special thanks to Erit Skolnick for joining me in this coverage. Even going live with me on Instagram, I put her on the spot, learning the ropes of covering an event and then writing up a story script. She's on her way to becoming a news reporter, learning with me here at the Israel Daily News Podcast. In 2021, Tel Aviv was named the most expensive city in the world, and its average prices increased by nearly 4% in the last five years. Throughout the pandemic, inflation in Tel Aviv has skyrocketed, leaving locals confused and angry, or at least that's what they were saying at the protest last night. Last night, the host of Israel's Channel 13 Current Affairs show, Guy Lehrer and his team, threw a protest party at Tel Aviv's Habima Square in defiance of the rising cost of living here in Israel. The main organizers of the event, Guy Lehrer, Amir Schwan, and Bar Shem Or, say they hope that the protest will be a catalyst of long-term change that lasts even after media coverage has died down. Many d And by the way, I just want to make a note. I did not see this in the English media. Thankfully, I was able to catch it on the Israeli TV channel. 
Had I not seen it there with an Israeli friend, I would not have known about it. The English news did not cover it. And the Times of Israel had a piece about it after the fact. But it was very cool to be one of very, very few English news reporters at this protest last night. And when you were there, you actually noticed that the crowd was really, really Israeli and that there was a lacking of internationals there. Because I'm so involved in the international community, I usually see familiar faces. I didn't see anyone that I recognized in Tel Aviv at this protest last night. So I do find that fascinating. And that's probably because the word only came out in Hebrew and the word didn't come out in any other languages. Many demonstrators say they're passionate about this cause and are frustrated by the cost of living in Israel, specifically in Tel Aviv. Tom, a student we spoke with in Tel Aviv, says he's angry. Well, I live here for a year and a half and the amount of money I need to spend here is way more than people my age students should pay. The protest started off with speeches given by the organizers. It was important to the event's organizers that this be a protest for the people, and Lehrer denied any politician's request to share, saying only those who have been really hurt will speak. Lehrer says he seeks long-term change, not only within the rising cost of living, but also in the lack of housing, and hopes that the government will provide more relief for people so that they can manage to afford homes. A recent study shows the cost of purchasing a home in Israel doubled just in the last 10 years. That's pretty crazy. Lara spoke about the high prices of basic food and hygiene items, specifically pasta, Colgate toothpaste, Osum and Tenuva, which are two major brands and food producers, he says have far too high of a price tag. Tenuva had a lot of controversy with its high prices in the past. In 2011, the last time prices increased, there was even a boycott surrounding the expensive Tenuva items, and there was a big protest started by one woman who came out in a tent and she was sleeping in a tent on Rothschild Boulevard. This was years ago. This is the first time that there's a protest about cost of living since then. One group active at the event were the Yellow Vesters. These people come to protest around the state of Israel in yellow vests, and they're meant to represent the working class. Following speeches, the event broke out into dance with music blaring from popular Israeli DJs like Skazi, Vinny Vici, and Itai Gallo. Many Israelis we spoke with say they came just for the fun. FEMA of Rishon Litzion says he didn't even know it was a protest. He just stopped when he heard the music. Yeah, well, I think we have protests here as well. But when you're in the middle of Tel Aviv and you bring one of the most famous DJs in the country, usually you'll get people here for the party. But, but it doesn't mean we don't have genuine protests. We do have that. FEMA was not the only one who solely came for the show. Leah Biton of Ramad's Gan came to hear the music with her brother, and she says that she believes very few people she saw in the crowd actually came out for the cause. Look at this. They're young, you know, you don't understand in, uh, like, things like this, you know, country stuff. They have, uh, they have um, parents that pay uh, for everything. Those who did turn out for the protest were typically a bit older and came at 8.30. The music really started up at 9.30. The big, the big crowd with the big music started up at 9.30. So you were able to see who is there for which part. And the older people say enough is enough. One man that we spoke with says he doesn't blame the government. Instead, he blames the corporations for being greedy. Israel uh, is the most expensive in the world, you know? Pasta, milky, uh, another race, and... Uh, Roger in a lot of countries, very cheap, 
and gazelin is cheap, you know, gazelin in Israel is very expensive. Well, he's not wrong about the cost of living. Our research shows the average cost of a carton of eggs in Tel Aviv is 12 shekels, or almost $4. In the United States, the average cost for a dozen eggs is $2. That's half. A box of tampons costs an average of 31 shekels in Tel Aviv. That's about $10. Tampons in the U.S. cost between 6 and 7 A cup of coffee in Tel Aviv is around 12 shekels, but sometimes it's, it could be 15 It could be 20 That's close to $4. And if it's 20 you're getting really up there. In the U.S., that would be around $2 for a cup of coffee. Israeli officials are about to release a new economic plan, which would give a tax break to some residents. The ones to benefit the most include parents with kids between 6 and 12 years old. The independently employed have been left out of the plan completely. The government says they're coming back for us. They're coming back for the independent people. They're going to figure things out and come back. We all know what that means. And just days ago, a woman came to the Knesset's Economic Affairs Committee to speak on the floor about freelancers who have been impacted by covid She says, before the new government, freelancers were offered stipends and help throughout COVID. And now, with the new government, they've been left with nothing. A representative actually tried to silence her from inside the Knesset and told her that she represented no one. Then she turned to Finance Minister Avigdor Lieberman for some help. He sipped his tea and barely responded to her tearful plea. It was pitiful to watch. Now, I don't want to leave you off on a sad note about the prices and the the difficult talk on the Knesset floor, so I'm actually going to read a little Valentine's Day poem that one of our American podcast listeners sent me on LinkedIn and asked me if I'm interested in any of his poems. His name is Vincent Spada. I'm going to actually read his poem for you now. Roses lose their petals, candies not so sweet, cards just never capture, the passion quite complete. Embrace will do the trick, a hug or gentle touch, show someone that you care for, the love you feel so much. Well, I hope you all had a loving week for Valentine's Day, and and if you do feel love for someone in your life, make sure that you tell them, make sure that you give them, as Vincent said, and embrace a gentle touch or a hug and show someone that you care. All right, well, that is it for today's show. Today is Thursday, February 17th, 2022. Tel Aviv has a low of 9 degrees Celsius and a high of 18 degrees. That's 49 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 65 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. We are everywhere. Don't forget to sign up to our Israel Weekly News Wrap. It's a newsletter with the top five stories coming out of Israel from throughout the week. I also usually add a few personal anecdotes so you can get the inside scoop on what's going on. And I always mention our professional highlights from the Israel Daily News podcast. So if you care about where we're headed, sign up for our newsletter at israeldaily.news. Thank you to Michelle Milner for her social media work, and thanks to our interns Perry Schwartz and Erit Skulnik for writing some of today's stories. I'm going to send you off today with a song called Daleko by Erica Kroll and DJ Skazi. Does that name ring a bell? I picked this song because it was the last song of the night at the protest party, and I stopped dead in my tracks in the middle of that event, and I said to myself, I know this song. This song is the latest work of DJ Erica Kroll. We have her 
on our show constantly. I'm always supporting her and her music. I was 100% correct. The song I heard was her work. She worked with DJ Skazi on this piece, and she just sent it over to me today because I asked her for it. Huge congratulations are in order to Erica Kral, our rising star. She's working with one of Israel's top top international DJs. He has around 160,000 followers on Instagram and has been in this game for more than two decades making music. Enjoy Daleko. Have a great and productive day and an excellent weekend. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Я уже это на